Welcome to the Shift Gold Friday Gold Wrap, your overview of this week's precious metals news. It's Friday, November 12th. I'm your host, Mike Meharry. Thanks for tuning in. Well, 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 we finally saw gold behave in a way that we would expect gold to behave. The yellow metal has been basically range-bound for a couple of months, but after we got the CPI data this week, it finally broke out. On both Wednesday and Thursday, gold approached five-month highs. I saw it above 1860 intraday, both on Wednesday and Thursday. Now, this morning, it looks like there's been a little profit-taking and some consolidation. As I started recording the podcast, gold was trading at 1855 an ounce. Silver has also gotten a solid boost. It has been above 25 bucks and is right at that $25 level as I'm recording. Now, it was pretty clear that the sellers were getting weary last week and that the anticipated Fed moves were already priced into the gold market. We got the Fed's taper announcement and a really, really strong jobs report, and gold barely budged. In fact, after the jobs report, it went up. Over the past several months, we were seeing big sell-offs in gold whenever we got any positive employment or any worse-than-expected inflation news. The expectation was was that an improving economy and signs of inflation would motivate the Fed to tighten monetary policy. Last week, that didn't happen. Meanwhile, the stock market just kept surging up, despite the much-anticipated taper announcement. Biden's running around pointing at the stock market, taking credit for the robust economic recovery, just like Trump did. But this has nothing to do with the great economy. I think the markets are finally starting to figure it out. They're finally realizing that the Fed trimming $15 billion from its asset purchases is spitting into an inferno, that the central bank isn't poised to go to war against inflation. As long as money is basically free, the sky's the limit for the stock market. Even with the jobs report, gold had a breakout day last Friday and closed over $1,800 an ounce. The fact that we got a stronger-than-expected jobs report and gold not only didn't sell off, but it actually ended up having a solid day, this is significant. It indicates that the market might just be starting to shift. It indicates a lot of the sellers are gone. The people selling on strong jobs reports and taper news, they're done. That leaves buyers. And then we got the inflation data. So let's talk CPI. Everybody expected CPI to come in hot this month. The expectation was for a 0.6% jump month on month. That would have been a healthy increase over September's 0.4% read. Instead, CPI came in sizzling with a 0.9% month on month gain. So prices rose nearly 1% in a single month. On an annual basis, the inflation rate was 6.2%. That compares with a 5.9% estimate. It was the highest annual CPI gain in 31 years. So going back to 1990. And if you remember, it was in the 90s that the government changed the CPI calculation because they said it was overstating inflation. Hmm. So it was, I believe, the sixth straight month of inflation over 5% on an annual basis. I'm just going to say it. This ain't looking transitory. The total CPI gain for 2021 now stands at 6.3% with two months to go. The annualized gain is 6.84%. Now, 
I don't know the definition of moderately above 2%. You know, that's what the Fed says it's targeting, inflation moderately over 2%. This is intentionally vague. Moderately can mean what they want it to mean, which is really convenient when you're trying to sell a failing policy. But if you ask me, 6.8 isn't moderately above 2. I'd be more comfortable saying 6.8 is moderately above 6. So anyway, stripping out volatile food and energy prices, you know, as if consumers don't have to eat or put gasoline in their cars, core CPI was up 0.6% against a projection of 0.4%. Annual core inflation came in at 4.6%. That compares with a projection of 4%. This was the highest annual core CPI leap since August 1991. Now, again, keep in mind, these numbers are based on a government CPI formula that is created to understate actual inflation. Remember, like I said, back in the 90s, the government decided that the CPI formula was making people think inflation was too high, so they changed it. If the government still utilized the formula to calculate inflation today that it used back in the 70s, we'd already have double-digit inflation. And you know that if you've gone to the grocery store. Also, let me pause here to say that I'm using inflation in the mainstream colloquial sense of rising prices. That's not really inflation. It's a symptom of inflation. Rising prices are the result of inflation. Inflation, properly defined, is an increase in the money supply. That's how I can say with absolute certainty that this ain't transitory, because we all know the Fed hasn't stopped inflating the money supply, and it's not going to, unless, of course, Congress stops spending money, and we know damn sure that's not going to happen. So the CPI data stole the spotlight, but there was another inflation measure that came out Wednesday, and it was even worse than CPI. We found out that producer prices are still rising even faster than consumer prices. The PPI charted a 0.6% month-on-month increase with an annual rate up 8.6%. That tied last month's record-setting rise in producer prices. If you annualized producer price gains so far this year, you get a PPI of 10%. And get this, the Fed has a PPI calculation for commodities. That has skyrocketed, get this, 22.2% year over year. That's a 48-year high. The last time we saw higher commodity PPI was in November of 1974. Now, again, this all undercuts this transitory inflation narrative. We're seeing inflation now that's on par with what was going on in the 1970s. It's hidden a little bit because they've juiced the CPI number, but that's where we are. Now, PPI has consistently outpaced CPI this year. At some point, you would expect a lot of these businesses to begin passing their costs on to their customers. In fact, they're already doing it. According to a November survey of 560 firms by Vistage Worldwide, 60% of small business owners have raised prices over the last 90 days. So if PPI is still running hot, what does that tell us? That means there are a lot of price increases for consumers still in the pipeline. Peter Schiff talked about this in his podcast this week, and I'll link to that in the show notes page. So 
again, this undercuts the transitory inflation narrative because if we're still seeing this big rise in consumer prices or in, I'm sorry, in producer prices, we can expect consumer prices to continue to rise going forward. So the Biden administration finally acknowledged higher prices, conceding that they hurt Americans' pocketbooks. You think? But the White House statement essentially blamed rising prices on, get this, rising energy prices and price gouging. Seriously, price gouging. As if price gouging could cause widespread price increases across the entire economy. But don't worry, old Joe is on the job and he's going to look into this price gouging. By golly, he's going to put a stop to it. If this was a video, you'd see my eyes rolling into the back of my head. Here's what drives me nuts when it comes to the mainstream inflation narrative that's peddled by the administration and all the talking heads on CNBC and over at the Fed. There is no acknowledgement that printing trillions of dollars out of thin air and then showering it on Americans in the form of stimulus might, just maybe might be, a factor in this inflationary whirlwind. I mean, this isn't even mentioned. It's as if monetary policy doesn't exist until, of course, they're going to tighten it and it might hurt the stock market. You know, easy money is good. Then we have a second approach. Just keep pretending inflation doesn't even exist and keep beating the transitory inflation drum. This is how Treasury Secretary Janet Yellen is playing it. I'm not sure which approach is dumber, to be honest. Yellen yet again claimed rising prices are just a byproduct of the economic recovery, and she insists the Fed won't let inflation get out of control. She said, quote, I'd expect price increases to level off, and we'll go back to inflation that's closer to the 2% that we consider normal. Normal should be in air quotes. When central bankers are manipulating interest rates and the money supply, nothing is normal. Normal would happen if they would just leave it the hell alone. And of course, even if inflation does go back to normal, that doesn't mean prices are going to drop back to the levels we saw before this burst of inflation. Price increases are forever, pretty much. Yellen simply means the cost of living will start to increase 2% from the new higher price levels that we're setting up today. As I've already mentioned, it does look like some people are starting to see through the transitory inflation theme, given the rally that we've had in gold. But the notion that the Fed can successfully fight the inflation monster still has some life. We did see a dollar rally on Wednesday afternoon, which uh, created a little bit of headwind for gold. But as Peter pointed out in a tweet, the dollar rally makes no sense. The fact that the dollar is losing purchasing power much faster than expected, and that's exactly what the CPI is telling us. The dollar is losing purchasing power. It's losing value. That doesn't make the dollar more valuable. Yet traders are buying dollars because they're betting the Fed will tighten monetary policy to fight inflation. Personally, I don't think I'd take that bet. I had a guy respond to one of my tweets on inflation, basically arguing that it was good because it helps people in debt. And to some degree, that's true. I mean, that's why governments love inflation and consider 2% normal. But he kept pushing the issue, insisting inflation wasn't really that bad in the long run for anybody because wages inflate along with prices. And again, that's true over the long term. But wages never rise as fast as prices. So even if you want to argue that over time inflation isn't that big a deal because it will all equal out, it still hurts like hell in the short term. And the fact of the matter is there's always inflationary pressure, so wages are always behind. 
In fact, right now, average real weekly earnings have gone negative. In other words, wages are not keeping up with rising prices. This underscores the fact that inflation is a tax, and it hits the middle class and working people the hardest. Now, will they catch up? Probably at some point. But that's not much comfort now when you pull up to the gas pump or check out at the grocery store. And even if wages do eventually catch up to inflation, what about savers? They get crushed, and they can never get back the purchasing power that they lost. And what about people on fixed incomes? They get crushed, and their purchasing power is also gone forever. And even if inflation does benefit people in debt, and I'll grant you, there are a lot of Americans in debt. I'll link to the latest consumer credit report in the show notes page. Americans now over... Uh, owe over $1 trillion in credit card debt alone. Still, why should government policy benefit debtors at the expense of savers? And, you know, we need savings in the economy because savings is the pool from which we get capital investment. So, no, I don't buy this inflation is really good for people story. So, to wrap up, I have to point out one more thing. When stimulus money started flowing during the pandemic, a lot of Americans said, yay, free money. But nothing the government does is free. You always pay. You either pay in current taxation or you and your kids pay through future taxation when the government has to pay back its debt, you know, the borrowed money, or you pay through the inflation tax. And that's what you're paying today. You're paying for all of that money printing. And you'll keep paying as long as they keep printing. And if they end up collapsing the dollar, then you're really going to pay. So remember, nothing the government does is free. You always pay. So how do you protect your wealth in this environment? Well, I recommend talking to a shift gold precious metal specialist. You can do that today. All you got to do is call 1-888-GOLD-160. Or if you don't want to call, you can just shoot them an email, info at shiftgold.com, and somebody will get right back with you. These guys are fantastic. They will look at your personal goals, your portfolio, your investment strategy, and help you see how precious metals can fit into that equation. So do that today. And that is a gold wrap for this week. You can get more details on all of the things that I've talked about today and more. And of course, keep up with the latest precious metals news and analysis throughout the week over at shiftgold.com news. We've got both commentary and analysis. If you haven't done it already, you can subscribe to the Friday Gold Wrap over at Apple Podcasts. Uh, we're on the Shift Gold YouTube channel. We're on Stitcher. You'll find links to everything on the show notes page, along with links to our social media channel. So check all of that out. I really appreciate you taking time to listen to the show, and I hope you have a fantastic weekend.